This is an ABC podcast. You can see she's slowly saying it, and as she's saying it, her mind's going, am I about to tell the world that I have done this to my butt? Look, I love Gwyneth. If anyone can repackage farting, expensive farting as an aspirational thing, she can. Gwyneth can. Gwyneth can. On. Hello. Hello, Zan. Hello. How are you going? I always sound like, I feel like whenever I say hello to you, I've got like, I've got a secret. Hello. Hello. What <laughs> is you your heard, secret this have week? Have you heard? Hey, guess what? What? You're mad and I'm not. <laughs> oh my God. How good's that one? I haven't pulled that out since 1983. Oh, I just feel like I was in grade five again. <laughs> I'm into it. That was it. the point. That was the point. <laughs> Very into it. Um, I want to kick off this week's Bang On, which is your place for music, art, life and stuff mm. with something from the Bang Box. And thank you to everyone who emails us, who DMs us, who leaves reviews as well. We read all of it. This one, though, stood out to me and it and is an absolute corker. If you're just joining us, though, in Bang On and you've just heard the term Bang Box and you think, hang on, that doesn't <laughs> sound too good. Rest assured, it is fine. It is what we call our email inbox. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all. Just wanted to alert a few folk. <laughs> it's, you know what, it's really helpful to do that because sometimes you forget that there's, um, you know, there's there's new members of the Bang fam that might be a little bit surprised about what mm. we say. Also on that, and I know that I'm doing a bit explainsy here, but I've had a couple of people say um, Bam fam to me, like, oh. but it's bang fam. I don't want to, you can say whatever you want. And it's particularly if you're yelling at me from across the street, please say whatever the hell you want. But um, it's, yeah, it's bang fam because you're part of yeah. the, the bang on family. Yeah. Um, everyone is welcome in the bang on family. Um, and particularly if you have a position like one of our listeners does who lives in the UK, we do have a lot of bang on listeners around the world. And I think that a lot of people like listening to bang on because um, we sound like dickheads, but also we sound like Australian dickheads that you miss <laughs> and and use the kind of vernacular that maybe you don't get to hear that much in your daily life, wherever you are around the world. Postman Pete, that's his name, emailed us this week, Miff, and he said, Hi guys, I've been meaning to write and thank you for your wonderful show for years. Yes, I have been listening, but I've been a bit lazy to write in and say thanks. I'm an Australian stuck in the UK for 20 years, and your weekly show is one of my links back home. Anyway, while listening to last week's show, you were talking about the Oscars and all the fashion, and this is the reason why I'm writing in today, because I am a postman here in the UK, and I am Florence Pugh's postman. GTFO. (laughs) It gets better. (laughs) And just as you started to talk about Florence and what she was wearing, Mm. I was at her place. No. (laughs) No. I'm here at Florence's listening with my headphones on and this podcast all the way from Australia is talking about my customer. Don't worry, she wasn't home and didn't hear your description of her fitted sheet number. (laughs) What are the odds? What are the odds of that? Florence Pugh's postie... Has emailed us to say that moment happened as he was delivering a letter. I love this so much. Our bang fam is universal. Our bang fam are everywhere. It's like a secret society. It really is. We're really infiltrating, aren't we? We had a few weeks ago um, someone who was married to the person who helped design Cocaine Bear at the Wheater Studios in New Zealand and telling us that Cocaine Bear was part of their life now, their family, because it had been designed at Wheater for like two years. 
I've had people contact me about Jinx Monsoon, the 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 person who makes Jinx Monsoon from Drag Race and an amazing yeah. drag queen's incredible wigs is Bang Fam Miff. This Get is, out! Yes, Bang Fam. Oh my god! So it, you, this is an incredible community. Obviously, you've all got wonderful taste, um, but what a beautiful, beautiful rainbow community we have across the world. And I can just imagine as Postman Pete walked up to Florence Pugh's front door, and all of a sudden starts hearing us talk about. He was just like, must have been like looking around, going, "Am I on candid camera right now? Like, what the hell is happening?" Oh my god, I love that. I reckon she'd appreciate that that fitted sheet description. I think as she well. would too. I feel like she's got a sense of humour about fashion, and that is why we love her. Pugh loves a bit of hue, ma. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Go home now. Oh, you're a little bit chesty cough, aren't you, this morning? Yeah, I've 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 picked up the 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 theatre lurgy, it seems. I've had it for a little bit now, a couple of weeks, and it doesn't seem to want to go away. But I'm fine. Like, it's not COVID or anything, which is good. Which is what you say with everyone whenever you're a little bit sick. It's not COVID. Oh, man, I've been saying it to everyone. I get in the lift and, um, you know, I'm like, <coughs> I say, oh, it's not COVID. Getting not daggers COVID. every time you cough. I know. And fair enough, people don't want to be around someone, but I'm not even, I'm not sick. I'm not infectious. It's just a cough. And um, you've still got to explain it because I think it's fair. We've still got a bit of trauma associated with it all. So I think it's pretty fair to, to say not COVID, even though I feel stupid saying it half the time. Well, I'll try not to make you laugh too much. Um, okay. Although there is a oh, lot no, of... make me laugh. Who cares? <laughs> Everyone's heard me wheezing before, so it's fine. Oh, Wheezy Warhurst. Wheezy. Um, you might have to contain yourself for this because this was one of the highlights of this week. And, and if you haven't seen it yet, uh, listen to the sounds of what went down and went viral on TikTok this week. I'll set the scene. This is the daughter of Sofia Coppola, Oscar award-winning director, Mm. daughter of Francis Ford Coppola, an incredible icon in film, who is also married to Thomas Mars, who is the lead singer of French band Phoenix. They have a couple of kids. One of them is Romy, and she got onto TikTok this week. And, wow, a lot of people watched make a vodka sauce pasta with me because I'm grounded because I tried to charter a helicopter from New York to Maryland on my dad's credit card because I wanted to have dinner with my girlfriend. Okay, let's get started. I don't know the difference between a garlic or onion and I just have, I just have Google images of onions on my phone and I just, I'm embarrassed, I'm embarrassed. Also, I thought I would do this since I'm already grounded because my parents' biggest rule is like, I'm not allowed to have any um, public social media accounts, here's why. It's because they, they don't want me to be a nepotism kid, but TikTok's not gonna make me famous so it doesn't really matter. Wait, is this an onion? Because I feel like this doesn't look like an onion, this looks like the inner workings of and this, right, right. yes, we're on. And this is Ari, um, my babysitter's boyfriend, because okay. my parents are never home, so I, these are my replacement parents. Okay, well, now I'm just waiting for um, Ari to come back with my ingredients, and I will see you in part two where I actually make a pasta. Okay, that was intentionally sped up. I just want to put that out there straight away. And do you need me to explain what the hell just happened in that 41 seconds, Miff? Uh, n- absolutely, because I think if, <laughs> unless you're 16, you can't understand a word of it. But essentially, she was... Grounded by her parents and she's stuck why at home. Was, why was she grounded though? What was the reason because she was grounded? She was trying to hire a helicopter, private helicopter, with her dad's credit card to go and visit a friend at camp. Mm-hmm. So she's stuck at home grounded making vodka pasta sauce. No one's batting an eye either that she's got access to the vodka cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so she's decided to make a TikTok video and she's not allowed to use social media because her parents don't want her to become a nepotism baby, of which she is an absolute nepotism baby, (laughs) in that both of her parents are wildly talented, hugely accoladed, incredibly awarded and very, very famous. And she too now has 
gone viral online with this. And look, whether or not it's serious or whether or not it's ironic, this little, however long it is, minute and whatever. 41 is, seconds. Is utter genius. I mean, there's <laughs> drama. There's everything in it. It's it's extraordinary. It's 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 got all the storylines that you need, you know. There's... There's the parents that aren't supporting her. She's got stand-in parents. Uh, Replacement parents. Yeah, that's it. That's it, which is classic nepotism, baby. I mean, <laughs> who are mum and dad? I wasn't, they, you know, they weren't even brought up by them. Um, yeah, it's it's just magnificent. I love it. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I think a lot of people don't know whether it's parody or real, but it just feels too real to be parody, like it's just done so well. Mm. And, yeah, I feel like a star is born She's managed to capture a film-length narrative within 41 seconds. Sure, it's been sped up. And, yes, you absolutely need subtitles, which are on the TikTok, which we'll put in the show notes yes. um, to understand what the hell is going on. But there's been a lot of love for Romy Mars on this video. Do you reckon she doesn't know what an onion is, though? Like, this is where I suspect it's all ironic. Did you know what, an on- what the difference was between an onion and garlic when you were a teenager? Yeah, okay, absolutely. Mum made mum and dad made me cook, so I don't think that anyone's. Oh, making that's true. Her ne- cook. Nepotism babies don't cook either, do they? Because they have chefs and stuff. We remember what happened when Kendall Jenner tried to slice the cucumber. Oh, yeah, it was all very, very clear. Point. These are very much firsts for these nepo babies. And remember, mm. she is, comes from a nepo baby legacy. Her mother is a nepo baby herself. She's the daughter of Francis Ford Coppola. Um, who got one of her first breaks in film in one of her dad's films, um, which was, I think, The Godfather, wasn't it, all those years ago? Godfather 3. Yeah. So um, she comes from a long line of Nepo babies. (laughs) I feel like she's well and truly back and getting grounded without any phone access after this for a lot longer than the original grounding happened. But I'm kind of keen for the future. I'm excited about Romy Mars' directing future. I feel like she's probably going to do some short-form stuff, maybe not the the films that her mum and her granddad have have gotten into, um, it was interesting too that when she was talking about her famous parents, she chose to hold up uh, a dad's gra- Grammy, a Grammy, and not an Oscar. I so, know. Um, and of course, everyone's now googling. If you didn't know already, who is Sofia Coppola married to, and realise that she's married to Tomar from Phoenix. Um, I feel like everyone's benefited from this this week, and certainly I got a lot of joy out of it. Just a wild forty-one seconds online. Yeah, with all of the emotions that a short film should have. You know, we've got, there's props, there's a knife. I thought that was, you know, created quite a bit of tension. Um, there was a lot of emotions. There was another um, character that just came in and you're like, oh, what's his story? Yeah, well, that's, dot, that, dot, would, dot. that would be like the, the shocking revelation, I guess, about the family in which we wouldn't know or understand. A little bit of uh, peeling back of the curtains. There's there's all sorts of levels in this one and congrats to her for her filmic debut. Our review of said film has lasted about 20 times longer than the original film itself, mm. so well done. And uh, I think if it was at at uh, Cannes or Cannes, however you want to say it. Cannes. There, there would be Cannes, Cannes Film Festival. There would be a 15-minute standing ovation for it. Congrats. The other person who's been going viral on TikTok this week has been Gwyneth Paltrow because she has once again been espousing her day on a plate, among other things, on a podcast episode called Gwyneth Paltrow, Her Wellness Protocol for Longevity and Gut Health, Keyboard Warriors, Conscious Uncoupling and Medical Gaslighting. 
It's from Dr. Will Cole, and I will say that Dr. Will Cole is not a medical doctor. He is a doctor of natural medicine and chiropractic medicine. Is he, he a doctor like a dentist is a dentist on the television ads? You know, I can't show my face because <laughs> I'm a because i a dentist. Is he one of those? He definitely showed his face in the video for this. Okay. <laughs> so he's not afraid to talk about his doctor. Or is he like more like the Pons Institute kind of doctor? <laughs> yeah. I feel like that. This is Gwyneth Paltrow's Day on a Plate. What's your wellness routine look like now? I eat dinner early in the evening. I do a nice intermittent fast. I usually eat something about 12. Mm -hmm. um, and in the morning, I'll have some things that won't spike my blood sugar, right? So I, I have coffee, but I really like soup for lunch. Um, I have bone broth for lunch a lot of the days. Try to do one hour of movement. So I'll either take a walk or I'll do Pilates or I'll do my Tracy Anderson. And then I get in the sauna. I dry brush and I get in the sauna. So I do my infrared sauna for 30 minutes. And then for dinner, I try to eat, you know, according to paleo. So lots of vegetables. It's really important for me to support my detox. Mm. Oh, I've got so much to say. Where do you begin? I don't even know where to begin. First and foremost, let me begin. <laughs> Bone broth is not soup. No, it's not soup. Bone broth is liquid. It's stock. There's nothing in it but bones and water and possibly It's the boiling of bones. That's not lunch. That's Gwyneth, not lunch. I need to have a word to you about lunch. It's not lunch. Yeah. Um, and I do an hour of active exercise each day. She goes, I do my Tracy Anderson. Now- most of us would pop a DVD on or, or do a class online. She just calls up Tracy Anderson yeah. <laughs> for an hour, okay? So she probably lives on she, site. Yeah, absolutely. She probably just gets her out of a cupboard and says, Tracy, I'm ready for you today. <laughs> Tracy, come on over. I need those arms. Because Tracy is obviously, she was renowned for having those super, super svelte and, and fit strong arms. Did you ever do the um, Tracy Anderson method? I realised I threw out a couple of DVDs when I was clearing out the shed the other, the other month before I I um I I started doing Rocky Horror and um, I found a couple of Tracy Anderson DVDs actually that I'd bought at some point and still I never factory did. sealed, still factory sealed, <laughs> <laughs> and some some yoga DVDs I found. Oh, there was there was loads of them and I was like I don't even have a DVD player anymore. <laughs> How quickly things have changed. Um, but also. Who's got time for all of that plus a sauna and a dry brush? Yeah. I mean, dry brushing, that's just, I mean, you can use a towel for that when you get out of the shower, can't you? Like dry off and then give it another dry. You don't need a brush for that. Well, that's her job, isn't it? This is literally her job, which is why her whole day is spent doing this and then mm. pitching it to others, getting us to sell, you know, to buy this, this shit on Goop and, and to buy these ideas of what wellness is. Yeah. But it's kind of dangerous and I think this is one of the things we always have a laugh about Gwyneth and we have before in terms of, um, you know, the vagina steaming of, of days mm. of yore. Never forget the jade egg that you also jade pop in, inside um, inside your, your vag, uh, your vulva, I should say. I've forgotten what that one was for, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't think it worked. Um, and, <laughs> but talking about food and diet and particularly under eating, which is what a lot mm. of people have been pulling out from this, is a whole other thing. There was also part of this where she talked about having uh, IV drips and I think she had one with her in the actual podcast recording. Oh, while she was getting, she was getting one while she was on air. Is that correct? Yeah. So IV drips, uh, you know. So am I though, don't you know? I'm having <laughs> one right now. I feel what's bad. In, what's in it? What's your cocktail? <laughs> it's a little bit of coffee. 
and a, and a ham and cheese croissant is in mine. I just want to be clear that you're obviously joking. Ham and cheese croissant by IV. Yeah, well, by IV. I will say that apparently the doctors have said that IV drips can cause clotting and clogging, so there's a little warning sign. But IV drips are usually used in, you know, in a medical context for emergencies for when people need a yeah. really quick shot of medicine or, or extreme dehydration saline, yeah or all that saline, sort of stuff. anything like that yeah absolutely not for a way another way to shelve vitamins and i think that this reminded me when i think about iv drips it just reminded me of the whole craze of colonics which i think has kind of died down now but when colonics mm. were really big one of the main bits of feedback, because I definitely considered it. I ne- I've never had a colonic. I'm happy to tell Bang Fam that it could be TMI, but just putting it out there, I've never had a colonic. I had considered it before. But then when you think about it um, and when you do any sort of research, it's like think about how amazing the human body is and the way that our body can, first of all, keep us alive no matter how many times we try to poison it with alcohol, you know, run around with it, bang it into things. It just is constantly trying to keep us alive. And in that same way, we eat things, it takes out the nutrients we need and it gets rid of the rest. It's an incredible system that has not yet been mimicked by anything artificial yet. It is one of the greatest computers and living organisms to make sense of what we do and keep us alive ever. And then you do things like chuck a hose up your butt and wash away all of the good bacteria that's, you know, helping you move all that stuff through your bowel or ignoring the whole gut tract, the intestine and everything and getting, instead of letting food be all your vitamins and all the goodness and and your body taking what it needs, shoving a bloody catheter in your arm and having an IV drip. It's just insane to me and it really reminds me of that, that it's just this sort of weird bypassing that we think we're smarter than our own bodies but actually what it's doing is 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 more harm. There's my little rant on Gwyneth Paltrow's health ideas. Well, you know what I loved in our notes though this week? You, you wanted to talk about the fact that she also <laughs> mentioned ozone therapy and then she's written, this is what Zan's written in the notes for what we're doing today. Speaking of TikTok, Gwyneth's podcast episode in brackets, I can explain ozone therapy, lol. And I'm like, have, why can you explain ozone therapy, Zan? Have you, have, you haven't had a colonic, but have you had ozone therapy? <laughs> I've not had ozone therapy. What is ozone therapy? But why did you want to explain it? Because you need to know what it is. I thought you had a personal connection to it. <laughs> That's why I, wrote, I thought you wrote, I can explain. <laughs> All I read was, it's like a reverse fart, and I was in. Mm. Imagine popping a fart back into where it came from. Maybe that's what ozone therapy is. This is what she said when she raised the idea of ozone therapy, something I've never heard of before until now. What's the weirdest wellness thing that you've done? I have used ozone therapy uh, rectally. I do know this about you. (laughs) It's pretty weird. It's pretty weird. Yeah, but very. It's been very helpful. Yeah, helpful in what way? And you can see she's slowly saying it, and as she's saying it, her mind's going. Am I about to tell the world that I have done this to my butt? Look, I love Gwyneth. If anyone can repackage farting, expensive farting as an aspirational thing, I love it. She can. Gwyneth can. Gwyneth can. And um, no one else could really. 
um, expensive farting, essentially, <laughs> is, what, is what she's repackaging, as is pretty much what Goop is too. Anything on that site is everything we know, everything we love, repackaged with her brand on it, more expensive. And essentially, if she's talking about ozone therapy, she's repackaging expensive farting. Back to us, as a fart would come back to you. An actual doctor at the Boston Children's Hospital tweeted in response to this, my weekly reminder to you is to stop putting weird things in your butt, including oxidising atmospheric gases. Now, you know me, Miv, I love to do research, and when you throw out um, reverse farts and ozone Mm. therapy rectally in my sphere, I'm going to find out what the hell it is. Do you want to know what it actually is? Yes, please. Okay, and also these are claims. I I think this is much like IV therapy. It's not shown to actually do anything good. Gwen says it does, but Gwen's not a doctor. The claim is that ozone therapy decreases toxins found in the gut and body. It boosts the immune system and immune response. We've heard all this before. Restores gut health and function to an optimal state. It reduces chronic inflammation throughout the body and kills bacteria, parasites, viruses, and yeast. It's essentially blowing ozone up where the sun don't shine. A variation of rectal ozone therapy is vaginal ozone therapy, and maybe this is where the vaginal steaming comes in. And yes, indeed, uh, take a wild guess, says Forbes magazine, as to where the ozone goes in the latter practice. The whole argument is that your rectum and your vagina have relatively thin mucous membranes that in turn allow the ozone to seep into your bloodstream, where it can then go to other parts of your body. Can't you just suck it down in with your mouth and make like... <laughs> Can't you just breathe? Yeah. What? What? Why? Why is a great question. Just why? Because if there's money to to be made and she has her job is to do this, then this is exactly. And we're all now Googling ozone therapy and there's going to be salons in well-to-do places all around the world that are now booked up with rectal ozone therapy, reverse farts, (laughs) blasting into the butts of rich women and men across the world. Uh, reverse farts is what it really should be called. Amazing stuff. Also, did you see that Gwen's in court this week um, for allegedly cleaning up someone on the (laughs) fancy ski fields a few years ago? That's right. Have you ever been taken out by a skier? Look, I've only skied, I think, twice and I enjoyed it. Although I remember going to the ski slope and wearing an outfit that I'd hired which I didn't realise because I didn't know at the time, this was in the 90s, I didn't know at the time about the fashions of the field on mm. the ski fields. And the outfit that I'd hired or borrowed was from 1985. And in the early 90s, 1985 wasn't cool anymore. So I was wearing these pants that were look, would look spectacular today and would get me into any nightclub today <laughs> because it's all come back in fashion. But I looked so ridiculous. And also they were five sizes too big. So when I got off the ski jump... My pants actually fell off. <laughs> so I fell off. You know, like I didn't even know how to get off the thing, the ski lift. And then here I am with my, my pants down and I just had to like fall on the ground so the next ski lift didn't hit me because I didn't know what to do. No one tells you how to get off when you can't ski. Terrifying. So, I can just imagine you crawling along in your like hot pink pants <laughs> just trying to get out of the way. They weren't even on. They were down to my knees at that point. 
was awful. Are you are you a good skier? No, I never skied, and I, I think that you know I just my, my parents we grew up in a kind of frugal um, household. We didn't go skiing. I think the closest we got to it was one time uh, went to Mount Buller, and Mum pushed us down the hill in a garbage bag, which she called oh. tobogganing. <laughs> I'm really surprised I didn't die. <laughs> Never mind a couple of sticks in the <laughs> <laughs> in the snow. Your mum's a genius. <laughs> She's, she makes something out of nothing. That's for sure. But I hope they were. I hope they were garden garbage bags, a little bit stronger. No, I think they were pretty thin black ones, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure that there was a very barely frozen lake at the bottom of the mountain, and it's very lucky that we didn't fall into it in the oh garbage bag. Oh my god! Oh but my god! I went skiing as an adult because my my boyfriend at the time was had grown up skiing, and he was. We were going over to Vancouver for a friend's wedding, and then we kind of tailed along with them a part of their honeymoon at a ski resort. And I was like, yeah, I'll come along. And they're all like black run skiers and I've never yeah. skied in my life. And so I spent a day, I decided, you know me, I love to just go hell for leather. And I was like, I'm going to do a beginner's class in the morning and the afternoon. Mm. And I was doing pretty well, but by the afternoon, my legs were pretty tired because I've been skiing the whole time. And I was very much head of the class, done everything right. And they were like, if you can just do this green run and do the zigzag down, then you can go on any green run in the whole of the resort. Mm. And I was like, great, I'm almost there. And so I'm making my way down and I'm the first in the group um, making my way down. And I'm doing pretty well. And then all of a sudden, someone behind me loses control and they start flying down the mountain. And they just no. completely knock me over, clean me out, Gwyneth Paltrow style. Oh, no. <laughs> and it just killed me. I was just like, I couldn't get back up again because I was just totally shattered and, and too scared to get up again. So I just spent the next day hooning around on one of those snowmobiles around the back parts of the mountain. Yeah, and that just, sounds like a hoot. And doing that. But I saw um, this and I was like, I understand. I understand what you, it's like to be cleaned out. But I didn't sue anyone for it. Ask $300,000 though? Yeah, no. I think, I think if you're going on a ski field, there's a possibility that that stuff's going to happen. Yeah, it, it feels um, a bit dodgy, doesn't it? And he's just gone all like make bank as soon as he's looked up to see it's Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, anyway, and she's pulling out some fabulous ensembles for her court appearances. It's always interesting to see what the celebs wear because it's very mm. much about perception, isn't it? And that the story you tell mm. with what you're wearing, and you know, trying to be a little bit demure, like look chill but not look too rich. What, what's she been wearing? What's the fashion of Gwyneth in in court this week? A sensible brown wide leg pant and a tan sort of boot shoe. Beige. With, yeah, yeah, and uh, a cable knit sweater, a cream cable knit sweater with an oversized jacket. Like it's all very down-home country. I'm just a, I'm just a regular mom look. But also rich. rich people love beige. It's just the beige exactly. aesthetic. And we also know, though, that, that all of the clothes that she's wearing were like she's wearing a $65,000 bracelet as well, <laughs> someone had noticed. Just as a, like a little added touch. They've had to tell people that they're not allowed to take um, photos and video. It's They've only got the official, you know, media photographers and they've yeah. had to throw a few people out because they've been taking sneaky snaps inside the courtroom. Oh, yeah, got, get them out. I, I, all I want to see from it is the court drawings, to be honest. There'll be a whole, whole the selection. The Gwyneth Court drawings and, and these, will be, these will be looked at By our ancestors. Yeah, by our ancestors. I mean, we'll dig them up somewhere and go, oh, we have these drawings, these ancient drawings of somebody who is obviously, you know, um, so well that, <laughs> that people wanted to, to, to draw pictures of her. 
You can really see the glow in her cheeks after that rectal ozone therapy, mm. can't you, in the courtroom? Oh, she's, she's just expensive <laughs> farting all her way through that court case and having a whale of a time. Courtney Love wrote a fantastic op-ed this week in The Guardian. Did you see it, Miff? Saw it, read it, loved it, mm. want to share it. It's brilliant. It's so uh, good. Yeah. She basically responded to the latest additions to this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and she's written so over these old boys. This was this was on her Instagram initially and with the hashtag Fix the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which obviously led her to then write this opinion piece. Um, she also included a text that she sent to Dave Grohl in her Instagram post as well, which I loved and I was like, oh, whoa, this is great. Um, it says, hold the seats of Tina Turner and Carol King because they too – have not yet been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So it's she she's basically calling out the glaringly obvious, which is there are so many great women who have been still completely and utterly ignored by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And while some people see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as, as irrelevant gatekeeping and past its prime, she actually points out too, which I think is really interesting, how important and life-changing getting a position in something like this. It makes the difference, she says, between touring secondary market casinos or opening for a second-rate comedian or headlining respected festivals. It does make a difference and there are not enough women who are being inducted and there have been some glaringly obvious ones that have missed out year after year after year. Yeah, and I think that the they've been trying to rectify that in the last few years. We've seen that Dolly Parton was just inducted, even though she initially said she didn't want to do that. I think only barely 8% of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are women, um, inductees are women. And people like Kate Bush were nominated time and time again and not Mm. inducted until quite recently, which is wild because in case you're wondering, in order to be nominated, it has to be 25 years since your first release. When Pearl Jam and Nirvana came up for that anniversary, it was instant. It was basically like they were just waiting to pounce on it. Let's oh, quickly yeah. induct them. Whereas artists like Kate Bush, who's been nominated multiple times, including this year, and still isn't part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, this is someone who changed the game, who wrote every song on a debut record, who went into a room full of male executives and said, I want Wuthering Heights to be my first single. They said no. She said, screw you, and did it anyway, and it became the number one song for weeks and weeks and weeks in 1978. Chaka Khan is not part of the club. Nina Simone and Linda Ronstadt had to wait years and years to be recognised, as of course did Dolly Parton and and Tina Turner. And all of these artists, you can say, very easily changed history with their music. And so having that kind of gatekeeping, who is nominated, also who's finally inducted, the the makeup of the board is two-thirds male. I think it's nine out of 31 people on the board who choose who gets nominated are male. And according to some sources, 90% of those who vote, which is musicians, industry elite, people in the industry, are also men, 90%. This bias, whether it's unconscious or not, affects what happens, affects who gets inducted. And, yeah, I really liked, same as you, Miff, the way that she pulled out 
just what that means. We can say, oh, this is an archaic institution, it's mm. full of shit. And plenty of people have. Radiohead didn't turn up. Most of them didn't turn up when they got inducted. Todd Rundgren has But they still got inducted. This is the thing. Scam. They don't say, I don't want it. They still get it. Yeah, but it's it's still, and exactly, the, the fact that it exists still affects all the things you mentioned. It affects reissue campaigns. This idea Absolutely. of this kind of rock and roll great is solidified by being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So it does matter. It affects how your record company treats you, how young younger folk who are working on your record who might not understand the music that you make or or necessarily, you know, the huge history and back catalogue that you have. It's 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 a level of respect that I think so many men have been afforded over the years in this business. And you know what? I don't think there is an answer aside from burn it all down. Um and sometimes I do feel like that about the music industry still. I still feel like it's one of the worst industries that, that you know, we've had these discussions, you and I have been a part of, in the way that it, it really has isolated women and elevated men, mm. essentially, through the entire history of it. I mean, you think about incredible artists like Big Mama Thornton and Sister Rosetta Tharp, whose songs were basically made famous by male artists, including Elvis Presley. Yeah. You know, and of course he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and, and the struggle was real to get them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I actually think what they need to do, and, and I'm sure they're listening to Bang On and they will take this on. They're Bang Fan. To, to actually rectify the issue that exists, that is clear, they need to take a year off or two years off and they need to add all the women that they've missed. They need to stop inducting men and they need to add all the women or that they think deserved to be in. And that's the only way we're going to play catch-up footy with this. Mm. Otherwise, the imbalance will continue forever. It's an embarrassment. This op-ed is great. I think that you and I both know the rules of the game and and the biases that exist, but I still learned yeah. something from this, and I thought it was beautifully written by Courtney Love as well. We'll definitely yeah. put that in the show notes for you. Um, it's a really wonderful op-ed that she wrote about the archaic institution that is Cleveland's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What are you banging on about this week? Okay, this week, this one caught me by surprise. I was I was watching ABC TV on Sunday night and um, it, it was after work, so I haven't had the chance to watch In Our Blood, which is the drama series that is a dramatisation, I guess, of the experience of the AIDS crisis in Australia in Sydney in the 1980s. But this is a documentary that was made back in 2007 and I have to say that it's it's a little dated in parts in terms of the language used and um, some of the ideas that were expressed uh, probably wouldn't be that like this today if we were to make the same documentary, but it's called Rampant, How a City Stopped a Plague. And it was on Sunday night after In Our Blood and it's kind Currently up on ABC iView, and as I said, a 2007 doco on, well, basically the, the the people who were involved in Australia in ensuring that the AIDS crisis did not get out of control here in Sydney, and it, you know, to a certain extent, it still did. Uh, we lost six thousand people at that time, six thousand predominantly beautiful, young, healthy people at that time, an absolute tragedy and a reminder of why we march in Pride marches and why we march in Mardi Gras. I think always remember that the fight was real, you know, and I think having gone through a pandemic, which is a totally different thing, it's not sexually transmitted, but understanding the idea of transmission and how to curb it, this documentary was actually really fascinating um, for a bunch of people who really 
had never dealt with something like this before um, and who had um, – who basically had to make up, make up a whole policy. And what they did was basically instead of going through governmental means as other countries did that were perhaps more um, conservative, what they did was tap into networks of um, junkies, uh, sex workers, sexually active gay men – and created a public health in- initiative that actually got to the people it needed to mm. get to. And it's it's a really fascinating watch. Um, like I said, it's from 2007. But, yeah, if you want to educate yourself about what it was really like, uh, I, I think it's it's well worth your time. Um, and, of course, it mentions that horrible campaign too that I, I think did a lot of damage to a certain extent, the Grim Reaper campaign, mm. um, in that it very much um, – it put a sense of fear into the community and it certainly othered gay men within Australian society and I think that was that was quite dangerous. But it does talk about the other ways in which this really kind of it was it was it was it it was a health campaign like no other, really, in terms of the way they got their message out and the way they did actually manage to curb those numbers of deaths as best they could. So, yeah, it was a really, really great little doco. Okay. Very eye-opening. Rampant on ABC iView. I still Mm. need to watch In Our Blood as well. I haven't seen that yet. So do I. So do I. And that's why I mentioned, I guess, I wanted to watch that, but then I ended up watching this. And it was, yeah, it was was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Okay, great. What are you banging on about? Well, I wanted to give you a bit of a thank you for recommending a couple of things that I got around to this week. I've been watching Colin from Accounts. Oh, isn't it cute? So great. <laughs> and last night I watched After Sun, which was a great birthday oh. movie. I just popped myself off to a birthday dinner and then went and saw a devastating nice. film. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty devastating. Oh, amazing though. And I, again, I don't want to say too much about it, but it's... Um, Wow, what a perspective shift! Mm. Kind of, you know, half or two thirds of the way through to yeah, phenomenal. Really glad that yeah. I saw that at a cinema too. Just gorgeous, and yeah. what an incredible debut film from that filmmaker as well. Oh, I know it's such a mood as well. Isn't it's a it? real mood. Um, yeah, but yeah, I actually am going to be banging on about a film, a documentary, which kind of taps into actually what we were just talking about with the dominance of, of men in, in music. Meet Me in the Bathroom, which is a new documentary, which has been adapted from that book. I don't know if you remember back in 2017, there was that huge oral history of the New York indie rock scene from 2001 yeah. to 2011. A lot of people were talking about it back then because it was, as I said, an oral history. Uh, Lizzie Goodman, it was the author, the journalist who put it together, spoke to more than 200 people. And there was an incredible capture of this scene over a decade post 9-11 and very much in a very shifting state of New York City. But one of the things that a lot of people picked up on was the fact that Ryan Adams probably got Albert Hammond Jr. onto heroin. So you probably remember that sort of conversation happening. But the whole book is a really epic capture and now it's been adapted into a documentary film which just opened on Australian cinemas. It was at the Melbourne Film Festival last year and it's just premiered on Australian cinemas this last week as well. And again, it's a mood because it's there's no talking heads. There's... The sounds of voiceover from these interviews that she conducted of all these different people, the Strokes, Mm -hmm. Karen O from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, um, 
Interpol, the Mouldy Peaches, all of these oh bands God. that were kicking around. I feel like you're talking about me when you say all those names. It's like they're, they're like items of clothing I wore. They were so much a part of my life. Exactly. <laughs> and it's really amazing to watch because a lot of these bands are still around now. But when you see these this archival, it's all archival footage over you know an hour and 45 minutes. And it's phenomenal to have a film completely made up of archival footage in shitty, grainy, early 2000s video cameras. But they're all babies. And mm. I think it's one of those great examples of when you get so used to a band being around and the kind of mythology around a band, you forget that there was always a beginning. There was always the point before they broke through where they were playing tiny little venues where they didn't necessarily know what they were doing, where they were finding their way and finding their voice. And it really captures this moment for all of those bands and really gives you that backstory of these so-called overnight successes. So if you want a kind of immersive film that will take you straight back to the start of the 2000s um, and really capture that scene, Meet Me in the Bathroom is a really fun watch. And uh, it is really dominated by boys. There's a lot of strokes in there. But then you've got the shining light of... Karen O and Kimya Dawson, who are just incredible artists um, throughout it as well. And it's a whole lot of fun. And I've been reading the book as well, which is just um, a wild kind of, you can see why it was adapted to documentary because it's this conversation, whether intentionally or not, of, I guess, a shared history and a reminder that everyone's memories are different. So history is not truth. It's just what people's memories and perspective were. And often you can see on the page and in this film just how much they clash, how people remember that scene. But, yeah, really good stuff. Meet Me in the Bathroom. So that's playing on uh, cinemas now. I think it's getting a digital release in a couple of weeks too if you prefer to watch it at home and go to bed early. I will definitely watch that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, so good to see you again. I hope the yeah. I hope your little chesty cough moves quickly. And Thank um, you. Yeah. It's moving. I tell you, that's why I'm coughing. It's moving. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Can you hear it? Stop it. I'll see you next week. Love you. Happy birthday too. Happy birthday for yesterday. Thank you. Yay. Did you have a good birthday? I did have a good birthday. Yeah. It was yeah. fun. Even though I saw a devastating film at the end of it, it was Sorry about that. No, I loved it. <laughs> I love devastating films. I love crying in cinemas. It was a perfect end to a beautiful day. Beautiful. Happy birthday. Thanks, Love babes. You. Love you too. Bye. Hang on. You're going to get some ozone therapy this weekend? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs>